Welcome to a very special episode of Those Conspiracy Guys. Uh, we think about, you know, uh, unsolved crimes like, I don't know, most recently maybe Madeleine McCann or back in the day you had the Zodiac Killer or even Jack the Ripper, if you want to go right the way back. Uh, this case that we have already done a show on has been a mystery for almost bang on 100 years. Uh, it was recorded and released 2018, there or thereabouts, and we had Stephen Gormley on the show, talking about a, a German family who were mysteriously murdered, left in the barn, uh, found by neighbours, and the cops were like, uh, something happened, and say all dead, okay, shut up, and never look back into it, N- never really, you know, f- uh, found any reason, over like 80, 90 years, and uh, then, most recently, some students started looking into uh, the, the forensics and the historical reasons behind this murder, and then I got a call out of the blue, from a mutual friend of the show called Alan, from a lady called Nora Koeppel, who is the daughter of Dolph Koeppel, who has written a book about the Hinterkaifeck murders, and he says, for shizzle, for show, he knows what happened. And we have her here today on the line. Nora, how are you doing? Hi, Gordo. I'm doing very well. A little nervous, though. Oh well, I mean, look at I'm 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 sweating buckets. It might be it might be the hypoglycemia from my uh, almost diabetes, but it's fine. We're here. We're queer. Get used to it. Now, Hinterkaifeck. Are, are you uh, a near near the Hinter? Are you near Kaifeck at all? So I'm Swiss. First of all, You're Swiss. <laughs> yes, no problem. Swiss German. <laughs> Swiss German, yes, German speaking part. Close enough. So you're nowhere near uh, you're nowhere near this area and this is just like something your dad picked up, like a little peccadillo. He was like, Oh, let's have a go. What's the crack? Yeah, actually he just picked it up like quite randomly um like t- also 10 years ago uh, in autumn 10 years ago he uh, came back from a convention where he worked at and he was super tired so he laid down on the couch and went through the tv channels and he stopped on a, a documentary about this hinterkaifeck murders and he was just immediately very fascinated by this case wow. and in the end of the documentary, they said everything can be found in the internet. So he sat the same evening uh, in front of the computer and started to look everything up. And actually, for him, it was very fast, very clear who the murderer was. And he just had to prove how um, yeah, that it comes that he was this person so he's like he's like a true crime savant he's just like in the hotel he's looking at the, he's like flicking through the tv and it's finally like, <gasps> like the rain man in uh, las vegas like 82 82 82 and he just figures it out goes on a deep dive like a movie scene dun, 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 he's uh, searching online listens to like a bunch of like shit podcasts i guess like our one where we don't even pronounce the names right and uh, he's like oh, all these guys are assholes i know what happened that's a pretty. That's a pretty. It's <laughs> a pretty audacious claim. To be fair, um, has he expertise in in crime? What does What does your dad do? My dad's actually uh, an area manager for selling garage doors. 
So it's something totally different. So he never not- wrote a book before and he never did anything similar. Well, holy shit. This is, I mean, he's opening the door on this case. Like, let's, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's it. So like he's totally no training in like, uh, uh, you know, crime scene uh, investigation, forensics, uh, criminal psychology, none of this stuff. He just looked at that with an engineer's mind and said, I have it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the whole uh, education thing, if you are into this field, it's kind of overrated because they couldn't figure it out, right? And for, for someone from <laughs> Switzerland, is this like a is this like a a well-known case or is it just something that he just picked up? Like this is, it just so happened to be Auf Deutsch because your dad, this is the reason your dad's not on the, the interview with us now is because he doesn't uh, speak enough English to say good. Yes, that's correct. And Switzerland, they... In his age, they taught English very, very late, like, or not at all in school. So if you would want to learn English, you had to yeah, learn it yourself. So obviously yeah. he never did that. I and, mean, um, you guys are doing four other languages. So f- like, fuck it. Like English is probably not, you know, it's grand. Yeah. You don't need it. Yeah, it's fine. Um, nah. Yeah, it's grand. Uh, so like if you had uh, the last 10 years of your life, like taken up with this, did he, did he do like a full Mel Gibson on this? Was he fully like... I'm, t- I'm totally obsessed. Like every every dinner time, he's like, "So, girls, I was saying, uh, I was reading online about it. Like, was it always Hinterkaifeck all the time? The last ten years, or yes, I wish my mom could be here now <laughs> and tell you that because I mean, she lives with him, and I've been away for most of the time. But it really is the topic all the time, every time, everywhere. It's really. A little bit exhausting. Maybe. I mean, I, I know that uh, that my partner Claire uh, and a lot of the people I know, you know, in my life generally, uh, will probably say the same. That it's always it always comes back to the interdimensional uh, blood drinking uh, pedophile cabal of lizards that uh, that run the world. Um, mm. I mean, at a dinner party, at a birthday party, any kind of a social gathering, uh, someone's going to say something, and it all comes back to you know the Clintons being fucking pedophile lizards or whatever. I can identify once you get obsessed with something once you start figuring something out you're like I need to impart this yeah. information I need to discover what's going on mm-hmm. here so your dad like he didn't just do what I would do which is like a netnography which is like looking up the information sources from uh, collected uh, collected locations either primary or secondary sources online only he actually went out and did some like you know f- physical stuff he did some actual physical investigation right Yes, that's true. He um, did a lot um, because it's true. He was obsessed. I think that's the right word. And he actually built also all the weapons himself. I'm also going to tell more about those later on. But you can see Holy this shit, is God made damn. by himself. Maybe is there blood? Is there, hold on like a this. second. Is there blood on that? What's, the, what's that red stuff? Yeah, that's still um, some leftover fake blood. As you can see, you have some pictures. Um, there's some hair wrapped around it that's actually my hair and uh he came to me one day and he was like nora can i have some hair of yours i'm like what you're like as long as you're not <laughs> making like some kind of dark black magic doll of me to control my mind uh it seems yeah, like it seems like, like a weird thing like so from your early teens you've been hinterkaifect kind of like uh, it's always been there in the, in the background your dad got got pretty obsessed like late teens um i'm already almost 30 so <laughs> Yeah. Well, congratulations to you. <laughs> I was going on the lower end of the guess. So listen, has it rubbed off on you, the obsession with Hinterkaifeck? Has it been 
Have you got into it? Did you try and figure stuff out? Did you ever argue with your dad? Because I might be arguing with you now about what I think happened as we go along through the evidence here. But uh, you're going to present to us some of the evidence. Did did uh, did he convince you? Have you been wrapped up in it? Totally. He totally convinced me and I think also everyone around him and also many descendants, uh, they are totally convinced as well because we are in contact with many people from the area, spoken to them and uh, yeah, so... The only ones we need to convince is the police, of course. Uh, yes. That's one thing we need to still, still want to do because it's really important to us, or especially to him, that the truth that we can actually, yeah, that, that the truth truth comes out because we want we want the ones that are still being like blamed for it still, even though they're not alive anymore, but the family that is still alive and that they're they can live in peace um, finally. And like what steps has he taken um, to the police or to the law enforcement to get them to cooperate or get them to uh, take action on his um, on his evidence? Yeah, so first, of, when he began to uh, research, he, he has put together a whole uh, mosaic of clues and also some evidences, which is really hard after 100 years. But, of course, yeah. Um, so he put it all together and he called the local police and said, hey, I got some uh, real uh, evidence to actually let you know who was the Hindukafic murderer. And they were like, they were interested and they set up a meeting. But then days later, they would cancel the meeting. Somehow they didn't say any reason. And then he was, yeah, of course, he was super angry and he already wanted to throw it away. And he felt like, no, this story is actually way too good to just like throw it away. So he decided to write a book about it. He always did write stories about different things from life or James Bond or whatever, because he just liked to write, but not like for pop for to publish just for himself. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So he started, he sat down and started to write a book and thought, okay, so if they don't want to listen to me, I will make it published through a book. And a while later, the local police from our uh, village in Switzerland called him, the cantonal police, and said, yeah, you have to come to uh, our police station because we heard you know who was the murderer of Hank the Kaifik. And he was like as stubborn he is. He was like, no, I'm not going to come anymore. I'm fine uh, with this. Um, yeah. And they were like, yeah, you actually have to come because Interpol told us so. And uh, oh, if you shit. don't come, we just, we just come and get you. And he's like, okay, I will come. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, he went there and um, gave everything to protocol for like three hours and never heard of them again. So um, they just wanted to get the information. They didn't want to take, take any notice of it. Yeah, so the, the, I think the thing is with the police... I don't think they really like if someone random just comes and does their work. I mean, they like if he would give them some clues and they could still figure it out themselves, the you know, the final parts. Yeah. yeah, but they don't want someone else to, yeah, get all the, what do you say? Like... The, the, the kudos. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, as well, and this is one of the things that I contended when we did the episode, uh, Maybe maybe there's something a bit more to it. Maybe there's something. There's a reason these things sometimes don't get solved. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a reason uh, mm -hmm. evidence is overlooked, and we have cases like I don't know. You know, the making a murderer documentary. Stephen Avery. Have you heard of that from Netflix? Uh, 
No. There's a guy in Wisconsin, and he was um, alleged to, to be a rapist in the in the uh, early 90s, and they arrested him and put mm. him in jail for 18 years, and then turned out it wasn't him at all, and um, he was going to sue the police. And in the middle of the lawsuit against the police, they framed him up, in my opinion, and in the opinion of the documentarians, framed him up for uh, a, 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 another murder. And he went back to jail and he's still in jail now. So they're like, instead of footing the bill to have to pay him like millions of dollars, because he was also not liked in the area, they kind of like mm. stitched him up. And, you know, so there's all of these types of possibilities, especially yes. when we go when we go to talk about, see, most of the people that are coming into this now will have already listened to the show. So we're not going to go into the, the grim and grimy details, um, telling the whole story we do quite quickly. And then get into the investigations that that uh, your dad has kind of put together the the main evidences, but like Anders uh, uh, Gruber, who's the, the 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 patriarch of this family that were killed, he wasn't a well liked man either. So you can understand your dad coming in sniffing around, kind of making the cops look bad, especially for a hundred year old case. Doesn't like does it really matter that I mean, you know, all respect to the to the dead and and whatever, but does it really matter? Like this case is like so old, the family is like so you know, um, I know like, let's keep it on let's keep it on brand. Hitler doesn't have any kids, but if he did have some grandkids knocking around, you know, hey, my name is Johannes Hitler. That's right, that Hitler. Here's the podcast. Uh, for you know, if we're talking about uh, cool like cool bands in uh, Dusseldorf, like, like are people gonna be like, I can't, I can't listen to that podcast from Johannes Hitler because of his what his grandfather did like I don't think that stuff um gets passed on f- familially you know you can't blame the the crimes of a grandparent on the grandchild so like why yeah, but the, why did the police not want to go ahead with your dad's investigation and like pin mm-hmm. pin the evidence on somebody dead or alive yeah. I mean as I said they they don't want anyone else to solve it something they couldn't solve themselves I think that's a pretty good reason. I think everyone that, yeah, I think it's very simple as that because actually in in Germany they have to go after every evidence. They cannot just ignore it. That's actually not even legal. So, yeah, actually, huh? It happens that evidence is like overlooked. If you have something that's oh well, this solves the case. We don't need to look at everything else. You know. Yeah, true, but in in. In Germany, a, a murderous case never like lapsed, you know. So even today, you can still go after this. In, in Switzerland, after thirty years, no one cares anymore. It's over. A statute of limitations legally is it yeah. like there's a there's a legal like even if you found the guy, he couldn't be prosecuted or tried. You're saying that in Germany, like murders uh, last forever. Even fifty years later, you could go to jail for a murder. Yes. So. So the case is still open. Yeah, but there's nobody going to jail if they do catch the guy. That's what I'm saying. It's just a weird thing that Interpol would like, give us all your evidence. Okay, some of it we had, some of it we didn't have. Go fuck yourself. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a weird scenario for your dad to be in. And especially, yes. I think it, it's kind of a little bit dangerous to then pursue the whole, like, release the book. We're coming up to a 100-year anniversary now on the 31st of March. Um like does your dad not feel a little bit maybe intimidated by Interpol by German police by Swiss police is there a little bit of kind of like hey Dolph leave this shit alone you know 
No, not at all, because he really has his, his heart in it. And it, he actually wrote a letter to the uh, one son of Schlittenbauer that is still alive. Um, I think it was in year 2014, but I'm not 100% sure which year it was. And shortly before Christmas, and he wrote this whole letter that, because it's still hard for them, because they still they still can feel that people around them are like kind of blaming them. So he wanted to kind of release them and say, hey, listen, I know your dad was innocent. And uh, yeah, he wrote this whole letter and it's also in the book. Um, okay. It's, well, so it's, it's yeah. Let's, let's talk about the book then. Obviously there's a, there's a book, uh, is it written? It's released already Auf Deutsch, right? Yes, we have two books. Mm. We have one um, novel, so that's the, the story. Lechenstimme. Lechenstimme. Mm. The schmacked. Um, that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's like the story of Hinterkaifeck, just from start yes. to finish in a, in a yes. in novel form. Yes, and everything that's in it is delivered, except the, like who's the murderer, of course, and also how the murderer died. But everything else is delivered and has just been put together to a story. And then, spoiler alert, the second book. Tells who the murderer yes. is. The second book tells it. Yeah, I know. And, uh, <laughs> but, it's, it's but, but this is a more this is a more kind of uh, medical and physical and uh, evidence based book. It's not like a story yes. book. It has all the details, the 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 um the breakdown of like all the uh, what's it called forensic information and everything. Mm. Yeah, it breaks down everything into the smallest detail, and uh, yeah, it's it's a non fiction book. Yeah, well, I mean, some some might say it might be fiction, it might not be real, it might not be true. <laughs> I love it, like Dolph, Dolph is just going to push in at the end and start swearing at me in German. How dare you say that? I've fucking, I've been an Interpol motherfucker. Um, yeah, it just it just seems. His Adolf will awake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Give me two seconds. I'm going to go shave, and then you're fucked. But it just um, it just it just seems like uh something that's, I guess, hanging over people. In one way, but then, in another way, it's like, does it does it really does it really matter? I don't know. I don't have a murderer slash rapist in my family yet. Uh, I don't know that. You know, like if if there was, maybe I, I'd feel a bit different. I don't know. Maybe the people listening at home have have uh, have a different opinion, or they might know something a bit more about what it's like to have somebody like in the family that's in jail for a crime. Are they treated any differently? Do they? You know. Mm. Would the Schlittenbauer family, again, like I said, obviously uh, the people who uh, are listening to this have, have more than likely listened to the first episode. Uh, if not, go back and listen to it because we're going to get into it now. But it seems really interesting knowing that your dad would take this on. Like it's a big deal, especially like legally, uh, internationally, um, morally, and now uh, uh, ev evidentiarily, like he's going to come with the evidence that's going to have to force like p popular opinion or public opinion to go, well, that guy is guilty. Is he pushing for a conviction? Is he pushing for like a legal end and a closing of this case for the police to admit this is the murderer and it's absolutely true? I mean, I wouldn't say really pushing because after the whole Interpol story, I think he just stopped with like he, yeah, for him it was like fine, but it's more like a wish that he has that it will be official and uh, now with the 100 years anniversary we have this 
like there's so many interviews at the moment in the regional newspapers with him yes. uh, because there's this theater uh, going on from June July on sorry <laughs> July on uh, where he actually wrote um, the script yes exactly this one so it will actually uh, take place very close from where it originally happened and uh, yeah uh, we're gonna have around like 6,000 um, visitors for the theater in the whole time and I think after this after all these articles and the theater and everything it's gonna be hard for the police to just look away and ignore it Tell us a little bit more about what the what to expect uh, from this theater performance. Is it like, you know, and and now playing ha- playing uh, I keep on calling them hands for the diehard joke from the episode. It's terribly uh, disrespectful. And now playing uh, Anders Gruber, famous German actor. Somebody's now I don't know, and he's coming out with the thing going. Thank you, thank you. Is it like a reenactment of what's happening? Like what what is the theater present presentiert? It actually presents because it's based on the Lark's voice on this book. Ah, that's the um, Lechtenstimme. Yes, Le- the Lechtenstimme, Lechten Lark's voice. Right. They called they called Victoria um, the Lerche von Hinterkaifeck. Oh. That's why the theater is called like that because she had a very nice singing voice and she was in a church singing. Yeah, apparently a, mo- a mournful, sorrowful uh, tone she had. People would say she'd sing at mass. Um, yeah, so beautiful. Well, the Lark's voice is what the book is called. Lerchenstimme. So, Lerchenstimme. Yes. I gotta get my pronunciations right. Um, so this is so the 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 play is um the stage version of that book. Yes, exactly. And it's uh you're not allowed to go there uh below the age of sixteen, so it's gonna be very bloody, uh, oh, very brutal. Shit. Uh, they won't hold anything back. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be very exciting. <laughs> and it's all auf Deutsch, I'm, I'm presuming. Yes, everything is in German. <sighs> but who knows? Maybe think, maybe I, some Irish theater comes I, and wants to. I was just going to say this shit. Like, well. This could blow up. Like this could be, you know. So is this the only interview that you're that you're doing in English? Is this the first? Are you practicing with me, and then you're going to go global, go worldwide? Talk to James Corden or somebody like that. Oh yes! After this, I have a whole tour now. <laughs> you could do it. It could be possible. Is it? What do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, I would rather have my dad do it because he knows so much more than I do, and uh, yeah, he, he. I can ask him everything. You know, there. I get the emails from our readers, and they're like, "But I have this question," and I'm like, "Oh, maybe there's a question he cannot answer because I like to challenge him. Can mm. he really answer all the questions?" And I just go, Dad, Dad, can you can you answer this question? It's like, oh yeah, and it just goes very cool. Like, yeah, you know, this is this and this and that. that. It's like, but yeah, all in nice, German, but all in German though. That's the that's the problem. There's German, a language, though, yeah. we, need, we need to get them. We need to get them on the on the fucking what's it called, the Babel or whatever. Uh, uh, one of those I apps. One of, yeah, one of those yeah. Uh, language apps. We need to put. We, let's all pull together and uh, <laughs> help them to get two months <laughs> off work. We pay for two months of work, and he can stay at home and just learn English and so do these interviews. <laughs> Um, yeah, we can, we can, you can get enough in two months. Um, so look at, let's, let's tell the story. Do you want to tell it? Why will I tell a little bit? You tell a little bit, uh, just the, the truncated short version of what happened, uh, in the the period coming up to, uh, the murders. So look at, we're in Hinterkaifeck, which is, uh, German for the back of Kaifeck, like the area of Kaifeck. (laughs) 
Kaifex Yard. It's no meaning. <laughs> like a, hint, a hinterland is like a land in the area, just in the kind of the back. So the town is Kaifex, and this is Hinter Kaifex, right? So we're, we're there, there are a family, the Grubers. Um, there's six people living in the house. In the time coming up to the murder, there was a housekeeper. Uh, Andreas Gruber was a farmer. And uh, they, had, they had a housekeeper who was hearing like noises in the attic and shit. So in all the podcasts, Nora, that I'm listening to, all the YouTube videos, any of the stuff that you read online, it almost borders on the paranormal. This, this, uh, I know you're laughing though because your dad's done 10 years of hard grafting. But it almost borders on the paranormal where they try to sell it like and a mysterious force would push things across the table and they would hear disembodied footprints in the attic and voices in the walls and shit like that. Like, So you're like, okay, what, uh, what's what's going on? Why did the old maid, right? So there was a maid that lived in the house. She left and um, a lot of stress on the family. They were trying to kind of pick up the pieces. And one evening... On the 31st of March, according to the investigation of the police at the time, somebody, who is yet to be named, called the family out one by one out of the house. There was a new uh, housekeeper there called Maria Baumgartner, who was, uh, like, you know what, kind of a live-in a live-in uh, uh, house help. And uh, the mother, the, the daughters, um, uh, the, the granddaughter of Andreas Gruber, and Andreas himself, and then the baby... Joseph and then Maria, the housekeeper, were all killed, presumably one by one, according to the police, brought out to the out to the shed, bopped on the head, put in the put in the hay. And then, according to the uh, accounts from a lot of podcasts and YouTube videos and all of the books and all of the websites and all of the, you know, this is where all the information comes from, apart from Lechenstimme, uh, which tells a very different story. But for four days, five days, possibly six days afterwards... According to post po- the postman, neighbors, uh, a, a workman that came to fix a a, a feeder uh, on the fourth of April, like four days after the, the murders took place on the thirty first of March, he came to do some work there, and he said that there was smoke coming out of the chimney. It looked like people were still living in the house, and then all of a sudden, people were gone. Um, they found uh, Lorenz Schlittenbauer. Schlittenbauer. Am I saying that right? Perfectly. Schlittenbauer. Correct. Um, so Lawrence Schlittenbauer, the neighbour, uh, who was living a couple of hundred yards up the road, he came down to the house to check what the crack was and found that they were all brown bread in the uh, in the shed. And he's like, oh shit, called the cops. Cops came down and investigated the whole thing. They were like, oh no, a mysterious, you know, whoa. Um, everyone's dead. A pretty brutally, like, bashed to bits with what they found later on was a mattock, which I've already held up. It's kind of like a little pickaxe. And um, and we're going to talk about that bad boy in, in great detail because I think that's one of your dad's linchpin uh, theories. There it is now. She's holding her mattock. What, like a mattock model, you know, on those TV shows. Like, here, Nora's holding a handmade mattock made from Swiss pine. Um... So yeah, like uh, it's a pretty cut and dry murder mystery story. Some shit was going on beforehand. They were hearing footsteps. They were seeing footprints in the snow. They thought there was someone like watching them in the house. The maid or the housekeeper left. She was like, "Fuck this." They got a new housekeeper in, and the night she started working, they all got murdered. Uh, 
everyone got brutally bashed to bits. And then the cops were like, eh, we don't know who done it. It must have been some vagrants. But there's so many little nuances of detail that lead to a much deeper story. And uh, we'll maybe discuss them as we go along. But that's that's a, that's a pretty like simple summation of it, right? Uh, yes, not everything was entirely true, but uh, yes. Oh, what, what, what wasn't true? There wasn't ghosts in the fucking walls. That's, of course, this is how these uh, uh, true crime podcasters like the mystery of Hindukovic. Like it's a, it's a, they're trying to sell it. So obviously, uh, you, you, you know more than me. What, some corrections on what I've said already. Then <laughs> I should have made notes. Oh shit. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's true. One thing is, you, you called it Macht in English, right? Ma- Matak. The housekeeper? Oh, sorry. The, the house, no, the housekeeper? What, what, what did you say? Uh, housekeeper. Housekeeper, yeah. Yeah, let's, say, let's keep, stick to housekeeper because I can keep that word. So, yeah, that's true. The housekeeper uh, started right the day, uh, on the day she, uh, she died unfortunately but actually her day she should have started was the first of april but she had this habit to just start one day earlier with each job she started so and actually uh, that night was a real bad uh, winter storm and they stayed in a restaurant very close and the lady from the restaurant actually actually the descendants we also know the descendants in that restaurant today she uh yeah, she is the sentence of the one that was keep already having that restaurant back in the days. So they were actually staying there, having a break with the snowstorm, and she was offering them to stay the night. And they said, no, it's okay. We, we will go to Hinterkaifeck, which is only the name of the farm and not the place. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so... That is how she she if she would have just started her job the day she should have then maybe who knows everyone would still be alive you never know. Well, I'm that this is one of my theories because apparently Maria Baumgartner was uh, in league with some fairly naughty people at one point or another. She was going from job to job and she had some friends that were uh, unsavory. Does your dad go into any of that in the story? To be honest, I don't know what the word means like uh they were like bad Savory? she was friends with bad dudes oh <laughs> uh, i don't think so uh no? what i know about her is that she was a little handicapped like she couldn't really walk so it was really hard for her to find a job but actually why she got the job is really important why that's a very important detail here why this whole thing happened <laughs> here we start so um victoria as most of people that are listening to this podcast probably know, was raped by her dad uh, for years. And yeah, it was it, a time came where she wanted to leave the farm with her kids. Also because her daughter, Celie, came into an age where he might start to rape her as well. Yeah. You, and uh, yeah, so she was, she was searching for uh, homes or apartments in Munich. And she actually found one, uh, but she wanted to have someone to replace her when she left because she did a lot of work at the farm. So right. she hired Maria without knowing. The parents didn't know that she actually hired the housekeeper until that day where she arrived. So, she, so okay. So the relationship between Andreas and Victoria was pretty shit. 
like by all accounts yes abusive sexually you know abusive as well um she was already married as well at one point and her husband uh Carl Gabriel Carl uh, was was apparently killed in World War 1 and he's the father of Cazelia Jr. So Andres, Andreas's wife was called Cazelia and then Victoria's the daughter and Cazelia's the granddaughter. Do you call her silly? I guess I silly, yes. Yeah. And her dad is most likely Andreas Gruber and not Carl Gabriel because uh, Gruber was the only one that was allowed to have sex it sounds very weird (laughs) sex with his daughter and he wouldn't let anyone else have sex with her and he she was actually it happens that every time she was pregnant she had something going on with another man so it seems like she he uh, she was kind of searching for some replacement dad so people wouldn't notice and uh Carl Gabriel I think he was not the smartest and uh, yeah, they married so she could cover up the pregnancy from her own dad, father. Let's say father. Look, it's, and it's, uh, it's not a it's not an uncommon story. Yeah. That shit happens, like you know. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. And with Schlittenbauer, it was the same. She she got pregnant again, and uh, but Schlittenbauer knew it. He was not that silly. He he knew what was going on, and he said that he would accept the child, and he was hoping for that he can marry victoria mm. so he signed that he would be that he he accepted that he would be the actual father of joseph the, the smaller child that got killed and once he signed it andreas Gruber said anna i won't let you marry my daughter so because when, if when, he wouldn't important have... when did that happen when, when did that particular exchange happen where lawrence schlittenbauer was like i want to marry your daughter and then the daughter, Victoria, was like, I'm out of here. I'm hiring a maid. Lawrence is going to mind me. Or maybe there was like an overlap there. So obviously, they, uh, uh, Victoria and Lawrence were in a relationship for a number of years. He was like a close neighbor as well. So was this a kind of a like, finally, she had found someone who was steady and who didn't die in the water and who wasn't a bit simple, who was like, okay, I'm out. This is a way out. Uh, it would give motivations to Andreas to bash everybody to bits, I guess. But um, this was this was her out. Yeah. Like she had someone who was going to take on her kids as his own and facilitate her to leave the the family home and ex- escape the clutches of her uh, rapist father. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know the exact year. My dad would know, but um, yeah. I don't know the exact year where they wanted to marry. But the main reason was because Gruber might have to go to prison again for the incest and so, she as well. So in the old episode, so, we talked about that the reason that it's not rumored is shit is for shizzle, yeah. like on record, both Victoria and Andreas went to jail for incestuous relationship. Her, I think, for... A month or two months on him for a full year. Yeah, she went for one year to prison, and he went for uh, one year to the breeding ho- breeding house. Like it was not a prison; it was the harder version of a prison. The working house is it like a workhouse kind of thing, smashing rocks. Yeah. Or I don't think it's she like, went. She only went for like a month or two months or something like that, and he went. Yes, for a one f- month, and he went for a full year. So like. Yeah. Um, obviously that he didn't want that to happen again 
was that around the time of the birth of the kid uh, of of Silly, the oldest daughter? Was that they, they, he went to jail around that time? That I don't know, to yeah. be honest. See, the timeline the timeline is quite important for the for the motivations of each person. So, like in my mind, like Lawrence Schlittenbauer was like, "Look at, uh, you got to let her out of here." You know, you gotta let her leave. She wants to go. She has everything arranged, and you just told me that, uh, and that's new information to me that she hired Maria, and Maria turned up, and uh, obviously Andreas was like, "Who the fuck is this bitch? Where do you think you're going?" Like, it's a whole trigger yeah, for not, for a yeah. for a violent outburst, of course. Yeah, yes, that does make sense. Yeah, I mean, he she told Andreas Gruber the day before. Uh, so on the 30th uh, of March that she wants to leave, she told him and uh, they had a huge fight and he kicked her like out and she went to the forest, but her mom would get her back later on. And because of the huge fight, I mean, he would also beat her. Right. So he probably thought she would stay. And the next day Maria arrives, which proves that she really wants to leave and take the kids with her. Yeah. And yeah, that's the moment he he snapped. Yeah. I'm guessing you're saying that, uh, you know, uh, Kazelia Jr., silly, as you call her, I call her silly from now on. She was coming of age to a time when she may become a victim of of Andreas's uh, sexual assault. Victoria was 35 at this time, at the time of the murder. So um, maybe his desire for control extended into his granddaughter. And there was reports of her going on like nighttime walks and she was going on like, you know, mysterious. It's again, attributed to the paranormal podcasts that are like, and a mysterious force would take over the child at night and she'd be found in the field or in the, in the barn with no memory. And you're like, to me, that sounds like granddad came to the room and, you know, assaulted her and, in order to uh, kind of dull the pain or whatever, she disassociated. She went into a disassociative state. And then when she was found, she came to, and it's like, oh my God, where was I? Like, she was in her in her happy place, in her mind. Like, that's a known effect of uh, uh, sexual assault, where you'll, mm. you'll snap out of your consciousness. Like, so yeah. m- maybe he was already at this thing, because the report's coming up to six months before the murder. Uh, everybody says that to try and make a paranormal which is so weird and not like to try and go because he was fucking raping everybody in the house um he was an alien actually i think (laughs) well this is it how do you say how do you say no um so like this is the thing right victoria wants out she has a two-year-old baby and and a a a daughter that possibly are the product of incestuous rape um a maid turns up and then the next the next day they're all dead and five days later they're found by the police. In those five days it's really important to try and figure out what happened and it's very, very vague. It's only conjecture. It's only like guesswork from the the, the true crime podcast armchair in, in investigators, right? Like me. So what methodology or what way has your dad come and filled in the gaps because he's come with like um you know you got your forensics you got your 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 uh, uh the, the pictures you have like the reports from the police and stuff like that like all that shit is 100 years old how do you put all that stuff together 
in order to get a definitive answer? That is a very excellent question, which I really cannot answer how he did it. I just know he he read all this all this information he found on the internet, and when he wrote uh, Lernstimme, the novel, he would just like slowly put them together and somehow he also has very good judge of character and very great fantasy. So maybe that, that probably helped a lot yeah. uh, doing this whole thing. But I think there are just some, the, the most important thing is in how to figuring out this, the people, all the people and also the police, they didn't look at the background story. Everyone just focused on what happened the night and afterwards or right. around it. But the important thing is what was before, because some random person doesn't go somewhere and just like slaughters six people. Yeah. That's just not realistic. So we and, can discount that as a narrative then. So the police came and said a bunch of vagrants or one vagrant got into the house, smashed everybody up, had a, had a couple of days in front of the fire, eating some food had a shit in the attic because there was like there was poop and food and yes. all sorts of stuff found and then um just bounced and didn't rob anything because there was gold and money left in the house so obviously it wasn't a robbery what was that guy no. there for that shit makes no sense so there's all these you can say like w- without fear of contradiction you can say almost definitely the things that it wasn't but the thing that I'm I I couldn't find and that maybe Dolph has able to to determine is what did happen you can say this couldn't have happened all of these things didn't happen but what did happen they, they cut off all the heads of the people and they sent them to munich to be investigated by uh more sophisticated uh, forensic teams yes. so all of those notes were taken so obviously your dad got his hands on all of those notes there are certain techniques that were used in the murders themselves that lend to a a totally other uh, uh like a totally brand new theory that Dolph has come up with um, mm-hmm. using the mattock not in the way that we would think with the pointy end um, but there's there's uh, the background is not fucking investigated which is what I do on all the true crimes it's like look at we all know like 40 you can count how many stab wounds there were you can look at where the body is lying and what way they fell and all this kind of thing but the reason I like to look into these kind of things is to find out the why like why did that shit happen no. It's much more interesting to me that it was like, you know, a spurned lover or, a, you know, a man trying to get justice for a woman that he loves. Um, The thing that fucks me up about it, and, and I think without, you know, spoiling the book or the whole play or whatever, like your dad thinks that it's Andreas Gruber, he's the murderer, without a doubt, all the evidence, all the proof. But, but Andreas was found dead as well at the farm, right? Yes. And that so, was actually the hardest part of all of it for him to, because then he knew, okay, it was Gruber, but how did Gruber die? You know, it's like, that's the hard, that's the hardest part of it. It's way harder than just figure out who was the murderer. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, it's kind of hard to place your own body after you've killed yourself. I know a lot of the victims, yes. a lot of the victims of, or a lot of the, I guess the, the, the people who die by suicide that are associated with the Clintons, they're able to, like, after they shoot themselves in the back of the head once, they often do it, like, a second time just to make sure that they've committed suicide properly. Uh, then they kind of, like, tidy up their own bodies into, like, a place, like, maybe the boot of a car or, like, a fold-up sofa. Like, they're very good. Like, the, those t- type of suicides are very, um, how would you, would you say, convenient, do you know? 
for law enforcement because they're so easily solved these suicides of um people just hanging themselves in prison cells or when all the cameras are not on the guards Jeffrey are Nelson didn't kill himself. He didn't. He didn't. But <laughs> no, did, he didn't. But did Andrews? No, he didn't. Did Andreas Gruber kill himself? No, he did not. So Clearly who, not. So who killed him is the thing. That is actually the most the most asked question is how did the door get on Andreas Andreas Gruber? That's the most asked question. And does 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 Dolph have an answer? Yes, he does. Will we leave it till the end and we'll talk about the rest of the stuff and you can tell me at the end? I can tell it now. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not a big surprise. Okay, how, how did he do it? Okay, how did he die? Okay, so <clears throat> so once Andreas Gruber killed everyone on the farm, uh, he had nowhere to go because he had no friends. No one of his family liked him. Like his sister visited once and never came back. So he had nowhere to flee. He had to stay on the farm and he, uh, what, what can he do with the bodies? Right. So he would, uh, start to dig a hole right next to the bodies. That's by the way, delivered, um, that someone started to dig a hole next to the bodies, but the ground was frozen. So he left, uh, the cross pick in, in the frozen floor, in frozen ground. And he would hide in the attic, as you mentioned before, where he pooped and ate some meat. And there he had a lookout because he had to make sure that he would see if anyone would come to the farm. And uh, that's also why he took the shit there because uh, he couldn't leave his spot up there. And So, so he's, yeah, in, he's in the house and the bodies are in the barn. He's in the house. So he's looking out through the window of the house, shitting yes. in the corner and eating sausages. Shitting and looking at the same time. Yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> getting caught. Schlitten, shitting bower. There you go. So he's so yes. he's he's dropping dropping logs in the attic while looking out the window at the barn. So I think I have I think I have a picture of the farm uh, the setup, how the house was. I'll throw that up there. So that's how that's yeah, how it that's looks. So the bodies are picture. the bodies are in uh, which which building are the bodies in? The one on the right hand side here. Yes. And the house is the building in the middle, obviously. So he's up in the attic, looking at one of those windows, trying to make sure that no one is going to accidentally stumble on, um, his dead family that are in the in the shed covered in hay, because the ground is too yeah frozen to dig holes to put them in so did he think he was going to get away with it like dig the holes and go i don't know they all ran off (laughs) whatever don't look at the shit in the attic like it seems like it seems like a pretty cut and dry type of thing like yeah man went crazy killed his family so he's in the attic shitting and looking shitting and looking for five days uh, (laughs) four days days. (laughs) actually oh actually only one because he died on the first of april so (laughs) ah oh my god how could you know okay (laughs) okay so um he also fed the animals that day and a very 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 important detail he teared down the like the page of the calendar he updated the tear down calendar that's that was a tradition it was a tradition that those people do all the time right yes that was a tradition and and only one person in the whole household would do it and mostly it would be the like the the chief of the household let's Mm. say 
Uh, because if someone else would do it as well, right? Which day is it now? Is it the first? Is it the second? Oh no, you know. Yes. So uh, it's, it would always be the first. Uh, uh, the, the same person doing it. Okay, so he teared out the calendar. So this is one of the reasons it. why you know that Andreas definitely survived the night of the thirty first because the next day yes. he he tore off that thing and only Daddy gets to touch the calendar. Yeah. So that's the and one of the who, main evidences. Okay. Gordo just picture someone else. Let's take Carl Gabriel, whoever your imagination can put up. Okay. Let's take anyone else, and you would go in that house and fucking slaughter all these people. I have some pretty heads here. Nice. How the Joseph looked afterwards. Um, he would slaughter all these people, and then let's oh let's stay one day on this farm because it's so cozy, you know. And then oh let's he probably went to the kitchen and it was the, maybe he had this thing going on, you know, like like a it's <laughs> called like he just needed to do it it disturbed him that there was still the 31st yeah, and he like, just goes and it was a, an o- like a compulsion like an ocd yeah. he had ocd and he was just like oh all oh, that blood oh fuck i have to clean up something okay i'll just do the washing up like somebody stayed in the house for a few days cooked food ate food shat in the attic and uh one day and but the fire was going the postman saw smoke from the fire for three or four days Yes, because Gruber would burn the bloody clothes and wash his own clothes. Because he only he only owned one working clothes and one uh, sleeping pair of sleeping clothes. That's it. So what about the postman seeing on like the third or fourth of April seeing smoke coming from the fireplace? Was there somebody in the house yeah. in those days? Yes. Then there were there was Gruber still alive on that day. That was the first of April, and you also had two uh, coffee traders that went to the farm to Hinterkaifeck because they wanted to sell coffee. And they uh, thought something weird is going on because they could also hear the dog um, howling because the dog was hurt. So they went to Schlittenbauer because he was the man to take care of the area. Like he did it uh, voluntarily. So they went to him and told him that uh, something weird is going on there. And yeah, he would walk over and take a look, which changed his life forever, apparently. And yeah, so it happens. He he went to the farm and was probably walking around and probably shouting, Andreas, are you there? Or something similar like that, as you would do it. And no one answered, so he went inside and he must have seen him coming because he was looking out of his lookout the whole time, shitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Schlittenbauer was walking around going, Andreas! The smell of shit around here is terrible, Andreas. Like, so, so, so the the coffee traders knocked on the door. Nobody answered, and then they went up to Schlittenbauer and said, "Here, there's something going on around here." And Schlittenbauer went down to have a poke around. Andreas saw him out of the window, out of the shit window. Yeah, so he went inside. Actually, I'm telling you inside information that is only available in books. So oh, feel honored. Okay, I'm, I'm blessed because if we don't fucking figure this shit out by the end of this podcast, I I think I might go and. I don't know. I Need have to another go, one. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to go to Germany. <laughs> I'd go to Hinterkaifeck and start poking around myself. <laughs> no, so, um, yeah, he, he went inside and saw the dead bodies in the stable. Yeah, and then um, Gruber would attack him from top because he was in the attic, attic red. And then a uh, fight started for life and death. And you remember I told you there was this cross pick in the frozen ground. Yes. So he probably fell in the fight 
on the crossbeak and uh yeah it like went through his head and killed him Andreas, immediately Andreas Gruber's head Yes Andreas Gruber's head And that's what ha- all right shit so like <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, uh, like Shaun of the Dead or something like that? Did you ever watch that movie? No, only Walking Dead. Okay, he p- he pushes the woman and she falls backwards accidentally. Is a zombie? He falls backwards accidentally onto like a pole. It's like go straight through her body. So you're saying like, like, like Lawrence Schlittenbauer comes to poke around, and then like Spider Man from a a shit filled attic. Andreas Gruber jumps jumps from up above like and they have a fight in the barn and like Lawrence is like giving them bo- boxes and there's two coffee is there two coffee guys watching this or did, has have they gone Yeah yeah they they're eating popcorn and having a good time No <laughs> because it's uh, <laughs> I'm for, I'm for real because they were like hey No no no, no. Going on, right So No that was another date like another time of the day So he comes down and and Gruber's like like, uh, I'm going to get you, Schlittenbauer. Jumps down to have a big fight and, like, Schlittenbauer hits him a, a, a punch or pushes him somehow and he falls and smashes his whole face out with a, a pickaxe that's stuck in the ground. Yes. And, I mean, Schlittenbauer is definitely not the person to kill someone. That's just because he was a good guy, you know. He was too good. And that's... I think that is also why this whole thing happened exactly to him because he was there on the wrong time I on can, the wrong date I can only, yeah. so i've never heard that before i doubt anyone's heard it before who haven't read the book in german yeah so this is possibly the yes. first time that piece of information has been f- said in english yes okay i'm sorry Nora, so, but that's quite hard to believe it's not that i don't okay. believe you it's that i can't believe no, it right a fella okay, falls yeah, okay. unless it's he fell okay. off the roof onto the fucking thing and it's like schlung but like, if you trip and fall, like on a shovel or on it, I saw that. What was that flashlight there that you that you held up? What was that thing? That skull. Right. So it's this like is, Andreas. That's Gruber's head, is it? Yeah, with his wound. Okay. Because for for the Gruber Boss book, we he like made all these heads and photographed them. Cool. Like you know, you gotta have a uh, hobby. But what I'm saying is that that, that means the pickaxe went in through his like his like the yeah, radial the bone, bone it, yeah, and through yeah, his, through his face arteria, and, it, yeah. it it like teared apart the arteria and came out underneath the eye and like the, the cheekbone was like standing outside. So was his head still on the pickaxe when the when the cops came? Was he still attached to the pickaxe? No, because he was he was on the other bodies covered with the door. So who did that? Schlittenbauer. So, so Schlitt- okay, I'm not. Okay, I'm not okay, done. Okay, okay. <laughs> I see. So I, I know if you're only here this part, it's like out of the blue, right? But well, well we talked. Up- we talked about this scene at length in the old episode, and we we speculated in four or five different ways. And you're telling me some shit now, and I'm like, yeah, you want some, you want some real evidence to to claim. Like he's like Schlittenbauer is looking like. Look, a small bit guilty at this point, but I let you finish before we before we start. No, he is very. Schlittenbauer was very tall, and Gruba was only one sixty four, sixty two, or something. So Gruba was a very small man, and Schlittenbauer was a tall man. Okay, that's a fact. Okay. <laughs> so 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 he fa- he falls on the pickaxe. It it, it smashes it, his face out. Yeah, I mean, imagine you're Gruber and someone walks into your house full of dead bodies. You have to kill this 
prison, right? Mm. You're, he's not going to go down and say, hi, Schittbauer, how are you doing? He's like, he has to get rid of him. So, of course, there's a fight somehow. I mean, if he if he pushed him, if he fell, if whatever, that's, we will never know. But, um, however, um, Schlittenbauer would research the house because also his kit, which he accepted as his kid, which probably was not his own. He searched the whole house and he saw how brutally they were all murdered. Mm. And I think at one point he realized that, how do I get out of this? Because no one will believe him that they were dead already, except Google. And yeah, he had to come up with a plan how to cover himself up. And yeah, he, he put Gruber back to the other bodies, covered it up with the, the door, most asked question. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, he, he went out of the gate, he left the house through the gate or the stable and took the key with him. So he, he locked it from outside. And he, he went he, back to his house. You can see how huh? he can. You can see how, like, understandably suspicious that is. Like, if he had to just left Gruber fallen on a pickaxe that's in the ground, and you'd be like, mm-hmm. "Well, look, he jumped off the roof and fell, and his adventurous fate." Like, we're talking about a, what a seventy-one-year-old man Gruber was at this point, and Schlittenbauer was yeah, I think Gruber was seventy-one, and um, uh, Schlittenbauer was a younger man. You know, so obviously, like, even if he did push him or whatever, it was in self-defense, it's excusable. You could go like, oh, shit. Uh, so he jumps out off the roof and he fell onto the pickaxe and it went out through the back of his head and, and fucked his face up. It wasn't me. I didn't kill him. And look, these bodies are here for like four days already. It wasn't me, right? One day. <laughs> there were, for one day? Okay. Yeah. So they're like, only No there. one would believe you. Nobody would believe you, but like the, no they'd believe you even you. less if you fucked with the body that died accidentally. Andreas Gruber died accidentally by falling on the pickaxe. Like that's at least like explainable. But the fact that he like pulled him off of a pickaxe that was stuck in frozen ground and then hid the body, like yeah, but he placed the pickaxe in the in the what is it called where the cows eat from the trough. The trough. Yeah, he placed it there, very obvious. Uh, yeah, so everyone can see it. Everyone can see that. And it's also a totally different way how everyone else died. Totally mm, different way. Yeah. Totally different tool. Yeah. So, okay. 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 It just, okay. It's just, I, it's I, I, I'm, uh, my, it seems like my suspicions about Schlittenbauer have been confirmed by this little piece of information. So I'm, I'm, I'm a bit happy with myself. But go on, I'm not going to take it away from you. Schlittenbauer fucking messed with the bodies, like kind of incriminated himself a small bit by hiding the accidental death. In America now, if you fuck with a dead body in a crime scene, like it's it, you're interfering with a corpse, and it's a it's a crime itself. You know, um, you're not supposed to tu- you're not supposed to touch or move dead bodies without like a coroner or an or an authority there. You're not supposed to. So he's already committed a crime. So Schlittenbauer goes home and comes back later on with the police. What no, happens? so so he apparently he touched everything, right? In the fight, searching for his his boy, uh, he touched everything. So how how would he do that? That they because they could already uh, analyze fingerprints back then. They just didn't do it uh, for whatever reason uh, because they found fingerprints and they just went like, "Oh, we know who it was. Uh, we're not going to take them." <laughs> Literally, that's true. <laughs> 
So, so they were like, uh, <laughs> we, we, we have a suspicion that's strong enough. Fuck it. Yeah, literally. Really. <laughs> so These lazy-ass country German cops, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he went back home. I mean, I don't know. He probably couldn't sleep those days. And um, that mechanic came to Hinterkaifeck on the 4th of April. And also realized that something weird is going on because the animals were super loud. Uh, the pigs were actually coughing because once they're thirsty, they start to cough. And also the dog was still howling. So uh, he also went off to Schlittenbauer to tell him that something weird is going on. Mm. And what Schlittenbauer did, and there are the very small clues, you know, that are like somehow summing up to that it must have been like that. Uh, he sent his kids over to Hinterkaifeck and told them this is delivered. Uh, please take a look at the Hinterkaifeck farm and tell Google um, the mechanic was there and repaired the engine. So it, it may seem he remembered them being alive. And he would, a very important point is also he would never send his kids to a neighbor that is known for being a major asshole, yeah. a tyrant and very brutal and aggressive. So, but to send his kids, he could later go back there with the police and other people from the village and touch in front of everyone, everything. So that would explain why his fingerprints are everywhere. And also when he went there with everyone else, he was not surprised. That's also delivered. He, he was not surprised. It, he was like, because he already knew they're dead. That's he already what, knew well, it. Look, that's, that's the, Kate, the Kate McCann effect. You know, that's what they call it, where you, you, you're, you, you're completely uh, emotionless. You're not in shock at all. Um, you've already dealt with it. There's no, you know, you're a sociopath. If you've seen that shit, you're a sociopath. And there's loads of reports. We did an episode on a guy called Ian Huntley, who was mm-hmm. um, like a pedophile and uh, a murderer of two young girls and an assaulter of up to 26 uh, young girls in schools across England. And uh, when these two young girls, Holly and Jessica, were killed, he volunteered uh, help to the press he volunteered help to the police he was interviewed a bunch of times he was on tv going oh yeah it's terrible about these two girls like anything i can do to help like i knew them from working in the school and blah 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 so he was uh-huh. on the news like every day and then it was such a shock to the nation to find out this is the motherfucker that killed him and he was on the news and we were all like oh what a good guy like yeah i, I don't want to be i don't want to be talking that have been super nice to everyone, but secretly they were a serial killer. Yeah, I know. But I like, know those stories. Like, I don't want to be talking schlit about uh, uh, about Schlittenbauer. Do you know? I don't want to be schlit talking. It's okay. But, like, <laughs> he kind of covered up a crime by doing another crime and then interfered with a crime scene and then manufactured a situation where he wouldn't, like, and it, that's not the actions of an innocent man in my view. Do you know? Because he was not entirely innocent. And they would not believe him. They would just simply not believe him. <laughs> hey, look, Gruber died by an accident and all the others were already dead. And, like, no one would believe you. And back there, they had death punishment. So, so they would just hang him. So what I contend is that if they were already dead for, you say, 
uh, Gruber died on the 1st of April and the rest of the family were killed on the night of the 31st. So they were out in the mm-hmm. shed overnight. They'd be frozen stiff, right? Yeah, they were. But Gruber, were all- Gruber, if he had left him on the pickaxe, would have been just like not even cold by the time the police arrived. If he had, it went straight to the police and went, look, at this guy's still, still alive. He just died. These people are rock solid. They died like 24 hours ago. They've been in mm-hmm. here all night. Like, yeah, I, that's a very good point. I didn't kill those people because they're fucking, they're cold as ice and they're frozen stiff. We don't, we don't talk about 2022 police. We talk about police that came way too late. They they decided to, because their car broke down and, ah, oh, let's go there tomorrow. And, uh, you know, that, yeah. a police that took five pictures of the whole crime scene. And they came all the way from Munich. So till they would, would be there, like, how yeah. much time would pass by? He would have I guess, I guess. went. Had, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it still doesn't. I mean, all the actions afterwards. It's just. It's kind of like a, a one of these Netflix TV series. You know, where it's like like a limited series. Someone's like, "Oh fuck! I I committed a murder by accident." Okay, and then the whole series is them trying to cover it up and the stress and not getting caught and all of that. Like Schlittenbauer was dig- digging himself a bigger hole here. Yes, but. What do you do? I mean, this happens and it happens so fast. And then you're just there. Like, you know, it's, you're like in, in shock. You're not working like a normal human being in, in such kind of situation. Maybe he was not even thinking of like, but the other ones are frozen and this one is not frozen. So, Hey, let's just get the police. You know, it's like, yeah, that's just where my murder mind goes. I'm just like, you know, if I accidentally came out yeah. of the body, I'd be like, okay, how long is this person dead? What's happening? Where, where, where is the cum? Where, where is the cum at this crime scene? If there's even a drop of cum anywhere, someone's going to jail. But like, um, I can't get over the, the, the smoke that was coming from the fires. The workman saw some smoke on the 4th of April. The postman saw some smoke. Who was burning, who was burning the fires? If No, it's not the first of, the, the smoke was not on the 4th. Maybe no. it was some, it was on the 1st. Yeah, for sure? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that explains that. I thought <laughs> I thought it was like smoke of fire. The postman was like, "Yeah, we came out a couple of days later." So, what day then did Schlittenbauer go back with the police uh, in earnest? The fourth, right? So he did that shit in the first, and then took the I weekend. I mean, the fourth. I think that I think the police came. What <laughs> <laughs> he did? He fucking he helped Andreas Gruber fall onto a pickaxe uh, on the first, and then he went home for the weekend. And he's like, "Oh fuck, what am I gonna do?" And then sent his kids down to the farm. To tell to tell uh, Gruber that there was a lad coming to fix the the feeding machine, and then the police came. So he left it for like three four yeah. days. That's crazy. Yeah. What do you want to do? Like. Yeah. I just trying to put to myself in his plan. yeah in his mind. Like, so so Schlittenbauer he arrives at the crime scene, touches everything to make it like you know so that the fingerprints are explainable, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then what happens to him? I mean, everyone accused him still. What also happened is that he made some weird, um, he said some weird things that have also been delivered that made, makes it kind of seem that he, as I said, I think he, like, he would already, he already knew it's something. Uh, he, I think he already knew that his son is dead because he didn't really, if, if you would be there for the first time, I think your, your intention would be like, okay, I go look out for, for my son uh, because he wants to know if he's dead or alive, but he didn't search for him. Because he already knew he was dead, so yeah. yeah. And he was weird in a very 
uh, nervous in a very weird way. They, that's also delivered. So it's proven mm-hmm. that he was there in the house beforehand and helped helped Gruber fall on a pickaxe. That's proven, is it? That's that's the accepted version. No, 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 no. Okay. No, it's no, no, no. It's proven that <laughs> that he said some things. Or that he didn't look, that he didn't right. search for his boy. It's proven that he said some things he couldn't know. It's proven that he was super nervous, like yeah. in a weird way. That's, that's the, all. That, that's the shit that you get that get you convicted nowadays. Like if you say some shit, you know the way the the, the forensic um, investigators they keep back some information that only the killer would know, and you have crime scene reporters that are like, you're not allowed to say, you know. Uh, what the method of death was or where the stab wound was or where the gunshot was, only the killer would know that. So if we're interrogating Um, somebody and they're like, well, I didn't mean to shoot him in the head. Who said he was shot in the head? Uh, uh, I mean, uh," you know, this kind of thing. Obviously, like, if he had been there, the presumption would be, uh, if he had been there and he saw the dead bodies already, when he got to the crime scene and wasn't surprised, we can only assume then it's because he saw them already. He had been through the whole house. He didn't want to see his dead son in the cot smashed to bits again. So he was like, ah, it's mm-hmm. fine. I already saw it. He wasn't crying, uh, you know, for the loss of Victoria, who he was apparently in love with. Um, mm-hmm. That's a weird way to, to act. And I think, like, fair enough if people want to say, look, I think Schlittenbauer was the man. Yeah, that's that's actually I think one big reason why they thought he was it because they were like, why is he being so? Why is he so nervous? Yeah, but yeah. So the, so he, the, so in, he didn't do it in in Munich in, in a college. Uh, there's a bunch of students who have uh, combed over all of the forensic information, all of the police reports, combed through like like academically through all this evidence, and they say that they've come up with a conclusion. But, but they don't tell it. But they're not going. Yeah, they're not going to tell it because they say they want to, you know, respect the the um yeah. the surviving members of this family. To me, that says it's they they have come up with the answer of Lawrence Schlittenbauer is the killer, but they don't want to say it because they don't want to piss off the Schlittenbauer family. For me, it sounds like they just don't know anything, and it's just embarrassing to tell after the whole two weeks they went through this. Like, oh yeah, we we still don't know. Do you think it's just they're bullshitting? It's not like- yeah, I think they're bullshitting. I yeah. think it, it was not Schlittenbauer. Bullshitting. It was not Schlittenbauer. It was not him. Yeah, no. you, you, he's, you seen- innocent. he's innocent of at least five people. But this is the thing. So you think he might have killed Andreas Gruber in a fight? Yeah, it just sums up. I mean, I cannot tell all the. De- I mean, it could or most of them, but sure. uh, there, if you if you like read one of the books. Uh, you would get all the teeny tiny pieces all put together and it's it's a little bit like an engine yeah. it all works when you have the whole picture and if you just remove one screw it just doesn't work anymore the whole you can't explain the, the tear down calendar you can't explain the weapon we really need to go we're going to do that that's the next thing we're going to do that well, i just <laughs> wanted to talk about schlittenbauer while we were on it um yeah i understand like you have to have everything together and that's what i like to do as well is to go through the back story the the all of the the circumstantial evidence is all very important when it comes to identifying who would do something we did an episode on the zodiac killer Mm -hmm. and by and large like we agreed yeah it is this motherfucker like this is the guy that did it but there's no physical proof um it's all circumstantial evidence it seems really weird in the circumstantial evidence uh um, opinion on schlittenbauer 
that he would do all those things, that he would act that way after the after the fact, that he would touch on stuff in the house, that he would go with the cops and be totally unemotional. And it just, it's very suspicious, right? But one of the main evidences, one of the main evidences for uh, for Dolph to think that uh, Andreas at least killed his wife, his daughter, his granddaughter, his grandson, and the housekeeper uh, was that. Uh, the very precise method of their death. So, according to all the podcasts, here we go. She, she loves this fucking pickaxe. She's going for it again. Uh, uh, here we go. This is a mattock. And for those of you that are listening and not watching, so you watch this on video on uh, Patreon or on Rockfin, if you want to have a go. Uh, this is a mattock. So this will be a tool for picking, picking out dirt. It's like a one-sided pickaxe. Um, yeah. You'd be able to take out furrows to to um, uh, plant stuff like a like a hand plow. Uh, you could dig posts like a like an auger, dig dig holes for posts and stuff like that. It's like a one sided pickaxe, right? And this was the yes. this was the um, uh, murder weapon, by and large, yes. considered proven universally proven to be the murder weapon. But if I was to use that as a murder weapon, Nora, I would probably use the big massive axe part and you'd swing it yes of course not not dissimilar to a pickaxe and just be like thump um but your dad with all of his engineering ingenuity uh, has has faithfully using the techniques of the time recreated the 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 tools uh, that were used as weapons uh on these bodies right uh yeah i mean he he recreated mainly the mattock uh-huh that's what he recreated. Uh, like he built it all together himself. And there's also a band, the, yeah. The iron band where he smashed Silly's uh, mouth with. Yes. There's a here. Uh-huh. Um, you just this one he found on a on a flea market. Is it called flea market? Flea market, yeah, good one, yeah. So it's yeah, a, he found it on a flea market. So it's like a it's like a band for holding together a barrel, maybe or. Yeah. I think it was from a wagon wheel. A wagon wheel, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, and then we got uh, the pocket knife, but that's just one he owned for a very long time. It's like a Swiss knife, you know. And he just thought, like, it might have looked like this, you know. And, yeah, so he has all these things put together. So there is is a a few pictures that you have. Uh, They are obviously... um, Recreations of none, none of them are the original picture of the mattock. Some of them are in black and white. So I just wanted to show the people. None, there's no original pictures of this of this weapon, is there? Yeah, no, there's not. No, but there is a really cool contemplative uh, picture of your of your dad. There's Dolph there, really looking at that uh, looking at that mattock, really puzzled. Like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder how he did it. Do you know? Um, it's a, it's a, like it's no small thing to to go to this amount of detail. Uh, he also, uh, you also sent me this. So, to use that as a murder weapon is pretty brutal. Um, but would the faces like we went through the uh, the forensic damage, the criminal like uh, uh, the, the the murdering act that was done on these people. Mm-hmm. So there was uh, holes in the head. There was not. Yes. There was not like it weren't, they weren't smashed to bits. You know. Very precise uh, holes popped in the skull. Um, I think Victoria had nine holes. I'm doing this from memory now. And um, 
Victoria's daughter, Silly, had uh, her 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 kind of mouth, her jaw was like smashed smashed off. I get yes. a picture now. So her mouth yeah, was her, smashed a bit with the with the band. Yeah, she had she had like all the. So everyone else was just killed with the metoc, uh-huh. and Silly she Silly got smashed her mouth, and uh, also she got a hit on her head with the backside of the metoc. So so a big a big chunk. You can't really. Yeah. yeah, and to to finally kill her, he slit her throat with the knife. Now, with Silly's death, there was a really weird aspect to her uh, body being found, where she had yeah. pulled out a bunch of her own hair. There was mm-hmm. hair in her ha- in her own hands, and there was big chunks of hair missing from her head. How, how does how does your dad explain that particular um, part of it? She was. Uh, is it called tearing? Like she was tearing her hair out by herself because she was in to cover up like the horror she was in to like get over that because he he want so I didn't tell the whole story I basically I, I can't um, but he wanted to rape her probably yeah uh, because she was also nude underneath her uh, night dress uh, he wanted to rape her and of course she screamed very loud for her mom so he smashed her mouth with with the iron band do you think and it was my opinion do you think that this was the instigation for the whole affair altogether that he had brought her as he did many nights before that she explained about a, a she explained it away with a sleepwalking incident she's like and i just woke up and i was in the barn or i just woke up and i was in the field like he was taking her away at nighttime quite often and this time he brought her to the barn she screamed he flipped out and like took the ring and bashed her mouth and then was like, oh fuck, I've gone too far now. Hit her with the mattock, slit her throat and then she lay dying, pulling her hair out as he called Victoria out to the shed, as he called his wife out to the shed. They were called out one by one by like every podcast I listened to, every website I've watched. For some reason, they say they're convinced that these women were called out one by one to the shed so how how my dad pictures it is that so the housekeeper came right so that was the moment he snapped so we go a little bit back right where maria maria comes to start her new job and he starts to fight with victoria and to punish victoria he wants to rape her daughter uh yeah so he takes uh, silly to the stable and tries to rape her and she screams and so he smashes her mouth to make her uh, silent and of course Victoria would hear that it's not those walls are not like today Yeah, uh, she would hear it and come after him and probably also fight with him she also has the um, what is it the, choke marks like. <laughs> the choke marks exactly so maybe he choked her and then he killed her with with the small with the very very small screw in the back uh, nine times so it was obviously an emotional like overkill yeah and then also the mom would look because of course you go in there what's going on why is everyone screaming and the uh, i mean the the housekeeper she di- didn't die in there she died in her room where she didn't even unpack her backpack and it looked like she tried to 
climb up the window and he just hit her from the back because she had the whole of the mattock in in the back of her head yeah and then he she fell down to the ground and then he would go to joseph because he's the only one that's still alive and would just smash through yeah he he would pummel downwards into the cot like this with the mattock yes and smash his head to bits uh, <clears throat> Maria Baumgartner's face apparently there was like a, a left and a right and a left so he hit her on the back of the head and she fell landed on her back and then he hit her like used the mattock like a golf club and sw- swung. no there was only one there was only one uh, where he hit her like like this and then she had one hole in the cheek there was yeah. A, yeah, sorry I, I, I read something that um, it's okay. it's she was okay. hit from side to side you know like psh, psh, psh. With the, no, the mattock. No, that's not true. Because he wanted to make sure they want to make sure she's dead. So <clears throat> okay. he did one from the front as well. Okay, okay, cool. Um see this is the thing. So in the second book that you have, the the, the Gruber Wars, is that what's called? Gruber Wars, yeah. Gruber Wars. Uh all of this information, like the very finicky per, per, like particular detail uh of the killings are in there. So the people want to mm-hmm. know like So he popped Victoria nine times in the head. His wife comes out. She eight had times. she had eight times. So he was pretty precise. Can you can you tell me a little bit about uh, how your dad found or knows that this is the way the murders took place and this was the exact method? Because to me, if you're using a, something like a pickaxe, that's just gonna make a mess. Like a human skull, as hard as it is, it's not gonna take nine swings of a pickaxe and still stay together. She had nine very neatly popped holes in her skull. Can you tell us a little bit about how your dad knows about that? Yes. And I think this is a very, very important point because this is kind of the tru- uh, the, the proof why no one else could have been it except uh, Gruber. Because first of all, he built this whole thing himself. Uh, something like this only exists once in the entire world because this is not originally there, the screw. This, there was an iron band around it holding it together and he removed it and uh, that's also proven. <laughs> he removed it and put the screw through. So, uh, what, so why did he build it like this? For those who are listening, it's about an eight millimeter bolt. That's about eight centimeters long, and it goes through the handle. It's bolted at both sides, and it's there's a band that comes down. It's like an axe handle. The band comes down with the the half pickaxe at top, on the top. So you're looking at like an eight millimeter bolt, and it matches exactly the size of the holes that were in uh, Victoria's head, right? Yes, all of the victims, except him. Yeah. Because he was killed with the pickaxe. Right. One or two of the the holes even in Victoria's head weren't circular. One or two of them were actually hexagonal. I think that's, they were all the same. Because why would you suddenly, why would would you suddenly change the, the tool? But but the thing is, because the bolt, the the nut that keeps the bolt on has six sides. So so some because back in the days they didn't have those. So why does she have a, a star shape or a hexagonal shaped holes in her skull? Then that's the thing. Actually, that's uh, one question I asked my dad to prepare, and he said he tried out so many things and he couldn't figure out why. Um, that was that had that shape, but it's definitely proven that this was the murder's tool. Right. And also, because one of your questions in the last podcast was um, 
why did they keep all the heads even though they couldn't do any forensic analysis yes something like that yes yeah so because they kept it because maybe they can do some forensic analysis later on and which is true because uh, one year later they actually found the tools the murder tools and uh, they actually saw hey this uh, fits perfectly yeah into all of the holes the mattock was yeah. hidden in in the upstairs in the in the shit at shit covered yeah. attic and when they were t- t- the house burnt down in 1923 or it was burned down or it burnt down and uh, in the in the rubble they found this weapon they actually uh, broke it down like they demolished it demolished it yeah um, demolished it yeah. And, uh, so when they, they found, found it there was still hair around wrapped around it and also covered in blood and you know how they took it they took it on the bicycle in the rain and everything got washed off so this this whole thing is just such a huge disaster and also that the heads do you know that they got lost during the second world war yeah we said that in the show yeah it's crazy isn't it <laughs> Yeah, it's like there's so many weird things with this case. So I totally understand that people have this mystery going on, and yeah, yeah, the, the, I totally understand. The, the, Tell them all about it, those conspiracy guys. <clears throat> the technique of popping the holes in the people's heads. So your dad had a very particular narrative around that, right? Yeah. So um, this had as I yeah how I stopped. Uh, this had a purpose. Why he attached the screws. On, on the matchock is because he would kill the pigs like this. Maybe, I don't know if I sent you a picture. Uh, he would kill the pigs with this screw, like a bolt. Um, can you maybe help me with the word? Um, like the bolt machine where you... Yeah. A, like a gun. A bolt gun, yeah. So it's like... A, yeah, the, bolt gun. The guy from uh, No Country for Old Men. Yes. Walking yes, around, he exactly. has the gas can. It just goes... And that's, that's yes, usually in exactly. the abattoir. That's usually what they take people out with, yeah. Yeah, so this would replace that bolt gun and he could save a lot of money for killing pigs. He could do it just himself for free because he was also very known for being very, very greedy, very cheap. Yeah, Ah, yeah. frugal. So this is what you're saying that the, uh, instead of the pickaxe part, which is the bit I would use if it was me, um, he popped a bunch of holes (laughs) in the skull using this eight millimeter uh, bolt. I, I thought yes. it was I thought it was helping you out with this theory by saying a few of those holes were hexagonal. I thought the little nut being hexagonal, like because because Gruber was very practiced with this method of like enough mm. force to pop the skull with the with the bolt, but not too much so that it would smash the head in bits. Because mm. it'd be quite easy, like with a bit of force and a and a pickaxe to like break open uh, somebody's skull. That's- you know, like, yeah. like a bowl of cereal. But I thought maybe one once or twice he gave a little bit too much force and not just the bolt, but also the nut all the way up to the handle yeah. would go into the skull and that's what the, the hexagonal the hexagonal shape in the skull was. But you're saying it, it might not have been like that because the nuts weren't a hexagon to go into like you know, yeah. a, a spanner or whatever. Um, yeah, back, back in the days they were apparently not. That's weird then. What is that hexagonal hole? It's strange, right? Yeah, so we get we got one question for the listeners. Okay, okay. Well I want I want Dolph to find out. Dol- Dolph doesn't know anything about that, no? He do, he can't figure it out. I mean, he has a new question now, so he needs to find an answer for it, okay. right? All right. So I will definitely tell you we'll once I know. Right. So so he he's popping holes in the head. 
Um, yeah. he, he's well he's well used to this kind of uh, f- this kind of executing abattoir farming practice, and that's probably one of the main evidences for Andreas being the murderer because it was such a precise action. Nobody else has this type of weapon in the whole world. He was well used to it for for executing the pigs on his farm, and if you did it any other way, the pigs' meat would be ruined with hormones and stress hormones and. Uh, very acidified, right? Yes, yes. So, like, yes. it couldn't be anybody but Gruber and his special <laughs> bolt axe. That's the yeah, that's the that's, main contention. That's true. Okay, that's a, yeah, it is. And uh, imagine just be you going into the house wanting to kill someone, and you would like you you would find this, and you would just go for for the screw. Yeah, it's and weird. no one does that. No, no one does that. And even if you would choose the screw. You would never be able to to like hit where you want to hit. I mean, everyone probably already hit with an axe when they were a child or yeah. older. I, I helped my dad out in the garden when I was young. So, how hard was it to hit the wood where you wanted to hit it, and especially a second time because he was still in one piece? It's very very hard, and even for that you need practice. And there you have the big blade, and we fear you only have the small screw and you have the weight of the whole front and. Yeah, as you said, you would just crack the whole skull with if you do it too hard. Yeah, well, even one, even one extra hard smack. Like if we look at that picture again, there, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's for for those watching it or for those listening at home. If you're not watching this, uh, there's this one of these white styrofoam heads that Nora keeps on pulling out from the side. There's loads of heads on her table. I can only imagine what she's looking at. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, lot of brutally murdered people. Yeah, look at that. What the fuck is that? Um, I have a party with these guys. Yeah, yeah. Just, just stick them all together <laughs> and you have an audience for your podcast. Um, so Actually, this one's a hole too, sorry. This one was so, a, oh, oh, it's got the holes That's, as well. Jesus. Yeah, because he used them for you know, several kills. Did your dad? Did your dad ever take a mattock out and try and have a go at a pig's head himself, just to see how hard it would be to smell? No, but he invited over some friends to try it as well. All ah, right, but I mean, how how difficult would it be? You'd want to be really precise, like with this swinging. It's it, the bolt is about like twenty centimeters from the from the the tip of the uh, the mattock, the tip of the axe as well. So it's like a super precise. Like, it's not naturally when you're swinging an axe. Like you said, when you're a kid, you're swinging an axe. Many is a time I've, I've been swinging an axe, trying to cut a little piece of wood, and you miss the whole thing, and you really take your foot, slam your foot, or you hit yourself in the shins. Like, it's not easy. And if you see this picture here, I'll describe it to you now. There's nine holes in the head. It's all kind of on the, the crown part, like just in the middle at the top of the head. If you're on swing number six or swing number seven, right, There's nine very distinct holes popped in that skull. If you swing a little bit too hard, the integrity of that bone, because there's all holes in it, uh, would be a lot less. Do you know, it's like Swiss cheese there. So if you're pressing, if you're pressing on that part, it's less solid than like the first shot or the second shot. If you six or seven shots, it's much, much harder not to have the whole thing just cave in into like a clump, you know. So like the preciseness it would take to pop nine holes in his daughter's head and eight holes in his wife's head. It's a fellow who has been very practiced and who has done this like h- hundreds of times before 
she knows exactly like muscle memory exactly how much to hit not to stress out the pig not to smash its face in or whatever like i get you when you say like that's a pretty uh watertight piece of evidence that it was andreas yeah. if he was doing that what i would ask you is what did schlittenbauer do for a job what was his job his normal daily job i don't remember but something very wasn't he a carpenter he, he wasn't the, no. he wasn't a uh, a worker in an abattoir he wasn't in, what? in an abattoir the place that kills the pigs for meat like schlittenbauer could never have swung that uh that pickaxe in that way no definitely not what he was what could Schlittenbauer have have used the mattock in that way to pop to pop the holes in no. someone's head? No, no. He never had no. any practice with it. This is a one of a kind weapon, never used by anybody else ever. I mean, to be fair, Gruber stole it from Schlittenbauer, but there is the but. It didn't have the screw, right? This because Gruber attached that screw. Only Gruber used it with the screw on it. And another very, very clear evidence for me, for us. Uh, one year later, when they wanted to sell the farm because no one wanted to live there anymore, and the weapon was all the weapons except the pickaxe were hidden in the in the I don't know, like up there, the, the, up, the <laughs> upper the floor of the barn. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you have the can show the picture, which we. Um, so uh, uh this this picture? No, that's no where with the with the mattock in the hay. Oh yeah. But it's not so important. Yes, exactly. So cool. um Gruber did hide it, uh, he hid it up there, all the weapons. Um so if if Schlittenbauer was the murderer and he knew that they're gonna uh, demolish the entire farm, he would also know that those will come to daylight, right? all these weapons yes. they would f clearly find them because they're still up there so he would at least go there a little earlier week or whatever and take them out and throw them so bring them somewhere where no one can find them but no one cared no no one else cared that the weapons are up there because the one that knew they were up there was dead so you're saying so Schlitten schlittenbauer didn't know that those weapons were up there no he did not I'm saying that this was a mattock that belonged to Schlittenbauer. He was used to swinging it. It wasn't like totally uncommon un or totally foreign to him to swing this mattock, presumably mm -hmm. in many different ways. It's not like a brand new, like you've never swung an axe before. You never swung a pickaxe. This thing belonged to him. So he knew the weight. He knew how it maneuvered. And... Gruber got his hands on it and took the ring, took the band off it and put a bolt through it so he could kill his pigs. Because he's like, oh, let's make it like a, a bolt thing out of this. Would it not be completely out of the realm of possibility that Schlittenbauer could have found this thing and went, oh, there's a bolt on it and had a go and just been like, oh, I'm actually, like, I remember, I remember how to use this. Like, I'm really good at it. That he could have used it. I know you're very much in defense of the Schlitt of Schlittenbauer being the, the bad guy here, but I'm saying if it was his, he maybe had some practice swinging it, and it possibly, possibly could have been him that swung it 
to to pop those holes in those women's skulls. And then he would just stay in the house and hide the weapon up there underneath the roof instead of going anywhere else. Yeah, because he didn't want to be seen. And like, leave it there, even though they know they're going to demolish the whole farm and find it, maybe with fingerprints, who knows? He didn't want to be carrying home a bloody mattock. <laughs> like people, Hi, wife, I'm home. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I, got a, I found this mattock out in the road and this band and a knife, you know? Like, obviously, he just left <laughs> it there and hoped in the, in the demolition that the stuff wouldn't be found, that they just demolished the whole thing and take it away, maybe. I'm just saying, there's a realm, there's a there's That's a okay. there's a possibility, because it wasn't completely Very foreign to him, that he could be the one swinging the mattock. No, he actually the police said he couldn't have been the murderer because he had asthma. Is it called asthma? Yes, the breathing problem. So he imagine killing someone with nine holes. You just go like you know. And yeah, then he, he would be like, Ugh. yeah, the breath. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. But he was he, he he was still able to kill Andreas Gruber in a fight. So like, do you he, know. He, because uh, but we didn't say he killed him. We said it was probably an accident. Yeah, he let it let his oh. death happen. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's su- it's a super interesting case. Like, um, still so mysterious. But your dad is like one one hundred p convinced that it happened. Yes in the way that we've discussed it so that very sh- very quickly Andreas Gruber went to punish his daughter for getting a housekeeper so took his, took his granddaughter out to the shed to rape her she started screaming so he hit her in the mouth with a, a, a metal ring and while she lay on the ground in massive pain she was pulling her hair out with the pain the mother comes out he drops the ring picks up the mattock and then pops his daughter in the head, and then as she's lying on the ground, hits her eight more times in the way that he would execute a pig. His wife hears that, she comes out, pops her, hits her a bunch of times, and then he's like, oh, fuck. Well, this it's over now. Goes into the house, and as the, the housekeeper is trying to escape, hits her in the back of the head, she falls on her back, and then he hits her in the front of the face, and then the last mm-hmm. one to die because there's nobody else left to take care of little Joseph in the in the cot smashes him with the mattock and then spends 24 hours uh, shitting in the attic looking at the window making sure he doesn't get caught uh, eating sausages in in the aroma of his own shit looking out the window to make sure that nobody's going to catch him and then the fella up the road comes down he jumps down to have a fight with him falls on a pickaxe and then that guy tidies up his body as well as all the other bodies that are in the hay. And then that guy goes off and then doesn't tell the cops for like three or four days and then sends his kid down to the farm and they find the bodies and then they call the cops and then he goes around and puts his fingerprints everywhere so that he doesn't get caught for them for killing Andreas Gruber. And then everything just kind of goes arseways and nobody gets convicted for it and it's a massive mystery for 100 years. Have I got that right? That's what your dad is saying? Okay. You're a really good listener. Okay. He actually went, um, at some point, he couldn't handle it anymore that everyone accused him. So he went to the local priest and told him everything. Schlittenbauer. Yes, Schlittenbauer. He told him everything that's proven. <laughs> and um, so the police actually 
went to the Pope to convince the Pope that he, they he has to like tell what Schlittenbauer said because went normally the, that's not allowed. Went to the Pope to get permission to uh, to divulge a confession. Yes, get the fuck. Exactly, that's what I wanted to say. For yeah. real, yo, the Pope yes. had to be like, yes, you can you can tell you can tell what him. What are kids? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't believe it, yeah. really. Yes. So in confession, so Schlittenberg was like, Father bless me for I have sinned. I fucking facilitated the death of Andreas Gruber after I caught him killing his family. And uh, I covered up the crime so that I wouldn't get in trouble. Uh, and, and the priest is like, what the fuck? That was you? Like, he had to go ask the Pope, could he, could he tell what happened in confession to, to solve the crime? Yeah. What did the Pope say? The Pope said yes. Okay. But- in the meanwhile, the fucking priest died. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so. Who ki- how did the priest funny. die? Was there holes in his head? <laughs> yeah, probably. Maybe. Here we have it. How no, did the priest old. die? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, just maybe. There may be, there may be a bigger. A bigger maybe there's a, big, there's a bigger story here. I'm always looking for the bigger story. Do you know, like, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Fred and Rose West. No. So Fred and Rose West. Fred West was a guy who lived in Gloucester in England and he's very famous for uh, killing his daughter and a bunch of other girls and then burying them in his back garden and putting down like patio slabs on top. And uh, for years and years they did this and never got caught and then one day accidentally they got caught because the drains got blocked and they called somebody in to fix the drains and they found like bones in the drains and then the whole garden was dug up and it was found that he was killing people for years and years and years, and he was burying them all under the garden. So no one else met Wissing while Schlittenbau was alive. So, and on the bed of his, like when he was dying, his kids asked him, "Please tell us, did you kill anyone of the Hinterkaiferkers?" And he said, "No, I didn't kill anyone. No." Well, you see, like in the Fred West story, it's kind of cut and dry. <laughs> Where, yeah, really crazy guy took these girls in, killed them and buried them under the patio. But in further investigation, what we find out is he was actually running a brothel, him and his wife. And they were taken in vagrants, they were taken in girls who had no home. People would run away from home. They'd taken in people who were looking, they'd moved town, were trying to get away from their life. And uh, they sexually assaulted them, abused them for days, weeks or months. And then killed them and then buried them in the garden. But not only... They were doing it. They were inviting judges, policemen, uh, politicians, uh, businessmen, and they were all coming to the house to have sex with Fred West's wife, Fred West's daughters, and some of the girls that they had in the house. And this was a thing, like this was a huge story, but that part of it was never told. And at Mm. the time that it happened, all of this kind of stuff, like these sex rings and these, uh, you know, collectivizations of people who were, taking advantage of children in a group kind of a setting, like where it was like a ring, like a paedophile ring or whatever. Um, up until the time that Jimmy Savile died, nobody was talking about that kind of stuff because it seemed that everybody from, you know, the, the, the highest levels of politics all the way down to like businessmen and kind of semi-important people, everybody was involved, right? Could it be possible that Gruber was not only raping his daughter, but was maybe engaging in this activity with other people or there was other people that were coming through 
traveling through the farm that were engaging in that kind of thing as well? Like, is there ever any reports of that type of thing? Uh, no, and I think what pretty much kills that story is that he would only marry Victoria to other men if she would be pregnant from him. And otherwise, he would never share her. And he also said things like, I'm the only one that's a proven um, um, thing he said, said, he said uh, that he said, uh, yeah, I'm the only one that is responsible for that thing, which he meant sex and no other men. So, uh, so he would have no. been brutally jealous about anybody else having having sex with her. He, he, he was, yeah. So here's here's my theory, and you can bring this to your dad, right? And we'll we'll finish up with this, right? That Lawrence Sch- Schlittenbauer was courting Victoria. She's a thirty five year old woman. She has two kids. Both of these kids, quite possibly or presumably, are um, pr- a product of incestuous rape, right? Hmm. They were in a relationship, Victoria and he, and he had presumed that he had got her pregnant and that the child was his. On the birth certificate, under father, there is LS for Lawrence Schitt- mm-hmm. Schlittenbauer, right? So potentially, it was found out to, to Lawrence that uh, Andreas was raping Victoria and he didn't previously know this. And when he found out, he was like, oh, this motherfucker... And I'm pretty sure he knew before. But the, but because when, yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but when Victoria was 16, she went off to his, Mrs. Schlittenbauer and told her that she's being raped. So, That's so, proven. So Schlittenbauer knew about this thing? Yeah, and uh, he they were both in prison because of incest. So I, he possibly couldn't miss that fact, right? So is this a thing where like Schlittenbauer really loved Victoria and he was just like, I want to get her out. And in trying to get her out, um, yeah, I mean, that- triggered, triggered and Andreas to try and fight him. He, ki- he got killed and uh, yeah, it doesn't make any sense then. <laughs> oh shit, no. It doesn't make any sense. Schlittenbauer. I'm so sorry, Gordo. Schlitt- Schlittenbauer. See, I had, I had Schlittenbauer pegged as the guy who was like, brutally jealous of the father right and uh, he said if I can't have you nobody can he found out that the child wasn't his and he was like well you were going to make me you know pay for that child everyone everyone's got to die now and he went down and he cleaned everybody out but you telling me today that uh, because I couldn't explain away why Andreas Gruber was dead and the way he was dead if he had Mm -hmm. killed everybody else which I'll fully accept and the whole you know the, the holes in the head the bolt in the mattock, killing pigs, well-practiced. Like, that all fucking checks out for me. Like, I'm very happy to accept that. But I couldn't get over or figure out how Andreas Gruber managed to hit himself with a pickaxe in the head <laughs> a bunch of times so that his head was mashed up. Lawrence Schittenbauer went down to the the farm to try and figure out, you know, what's going on, where are the Grubers, why hasn't anybody been seen, you missed mass, you're not going to school, what's the story, went down, and Andreas attacked him, and like, is it outside of the realm of possibility that that Schlittenbauer was like, "I'm gonna fuck you up" because I know all the shit you've been doing for years and years. Like Schlittenbauer knew this stuff for twenty years. Then in that case, mm. and he's like, "Look at you! Just killed your whole family. You killed Victoria. I loved her. You've killed my child potentially that he had taken on, if not biologically, at least emotionally." 
He's like, fuck you, Andreas. You're getting a fucking axe in the head. And he just smashed him in the face with an axe, which but, psychologically, yeah. psychologically, yeah. makes sense. That yeah. would make sense. But, that he would then try and hide the body and try and make it look like it all ha- like his actions thereafter kind of all point to the fact that he did that as a crime of passion or as a, as a crime of justice as self-defense he was like this motherfucker's trying to kill me i hit him in the head with an axe i done a murder shit man uh i'm gonna try and hide the body because no one will believe everyone will think i killed everybody here um yeah I'm, i mean he, he was very he, he was a very strong believing man like he really believed in god and there is I don't know if they still do it today, but back in the days they had like this, um, I don't know what it's called in English, but it's a little picture they, they put for if someone dies and then they write some things on it. Maybe called, I can show it on it's camera. Called, it's because called a mass I didn't send card. Picture. They do a mass card here in Ireland where you have a card. Yeah, so it's, and ha- yeah, yeah. So it's like, uh, sorry. So only the white part, this part. So, and sorry, <laughs> it's the other way around. No, this one. Yes. See, it's, so there are all this. That's original, like a picture of an original one that was found years later in a, in a Bible in a church between the pages, and there are some notes written in between saying like that uh, he was greedy, he was very aggressive. Uh, everyone in the area hated him, and like one year for one year in prison. Um, incest and also one note is called um, the hand of God. So uh, it's very likely that that Schlittenbauer thought he was the hand of God that he killed Gruber. Was it accidentally or on purpose? And uh, he he wrote it probably. It's not proven who wrote these notes, but it must have been him most likely. Yeah. And it's actually a sin to write on these little paper thingies yeah a, ma- so, a mass yeah, he card did that. He really... they do them here where yeah. somebody dies and you get a picture and you get a little yeah. poem and you have to get the priest to sign it and you pay like you pay the priest money and then you give out those as a, as a memory to everybody around and you're yeah. not supposed to touch them or deface them so you're saying schlittenbauer got andreas gruber's mass card and wrote this guy is a fucking cunt basically yeah. just to be like fuck this guy i'm the hand of god like i fucked this guy yeah. up for what he did so that's mm-hmm. what I, that's this, this, so, so, okay. So this is my assertion then, right? I'm saying, theory, Schlittenbauer killed Andreas Gruber, hand to God, justice. And the reason the cops won't, not that they can't, but that they won't come down and say, Schlittenbauer killed Gruber, Gruber killed his family, is because it would expose their complicity. They're like going, we really should have taken Schlittenbauer in and done him up for a murder. But it was kind of a just killing, so we kind of looked the other way and kind of let it happen because fuck that Gruber guy for what he did. If they had gone through with the whole thing, Schlittenbauer possibly would have been hanged for murder. And they were like, well, he did a good thing. Like, he killed him. All right, cool. Yeah, he killed him. But, like, that guy really deserved to die. So let's just, like, pretend it's we didn't find any evidence and it's totally fine and Schlittenbauer can go on about his life. Like, that's, that, like, that seems like a pretty fair conclusion, right? Maybe. Maybe, but for me, the the police back then sound so like they were so un um, uh, incompetent. Like the, yeah, the police was just founded after First World War, so they were they didn't right. have any techniques. They yeah, 
<laughs> as I said, they took five pictures of six dead bodies and didn't even take a picture of all of them. It's so bad. And yeah. um, uh, so I think they just saw like six dead bodies and your first thought, thought is not probably the murder is one of those, you know, yeah. you, your first thought is like, it must be someone else that's alive, apparently. Oh, Jesus, it's still an enduring mystery. I, I would love to get a version of the book in English. Yeah, maybe, who knows, with this podcast going on, maybe there's so many requests and we're going to translate it. Well, I would I would love to try and at least bring some light, more light to it. It was a very popular episode. I think it got over 120,000 downloads. So it's a lot of people has listened to it. Um, and to be honest, after everything you've told me today, a lot of the stuff we were talking about was a heap of shite. Uh, you know, it was an attic full of shit. Let's call it. Um, <laughs> but it was very funny. I really liked the part with the with the um, discount on the coffins. Because <laughs> they they had no heads. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get twenty percent off. But this is the thing. Like in in a case like this, because it's so old, and because there's no like real tangible evidence, there's a lot of speculation. It's a lot of it's a perfect fucking recipe for a true crime podcast because it's so mysterious i didn't like the fact that um they were making it into some weird paranormal thing on a lot of podcasts and youtube channels like footsteps at nighttime but there is an element of mystery with those details i don't know if your dad takes care of that in the book of evidence the the single footprints that went out into the snow uh, the noises that the family were hearing and saying to other people, like, our house is kind of, they thought it was haunted. Um, you know, these kind of things, like, are un, kind of undeniable a little bit. And um, Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, some things, some things over the time just get, like, bigger and bigger, even though it, it wasn't really a thing. You know how it is when people tell a story to someone else and the people, person tells it to someone else everyone adds a teeny tiny bit so what you what he tried is really to stick to the hard facts and of course there are many things that are assumptions um, but the assumptions make the assumptions make totally sense so yeah the assumptions though um are trying to take a lot of stuff from a long time ago and try and fill in the gaps you end up with shit like we were saying you know maybe the guy came back from world war one and he was like where's my wife, where's my kids, and then found out that Andreas Gruber was actually raping everybody. He's like, I didn't know this. Everybody dies, like this kind of stuff. Trying to figure out, uh, what is it, when when uh, um, we don't see we don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are. So we try and we have those massive gaps in our knowledge and we try to fill them in with the things that we know. Like me and Stephen really tried hard to come up with as many possibilities. Um, your mm-hmm. dad has obviously tried a lot harder and come up with something that's like pretty steadfast apart from the admission that uh, uh, Lawrence Schlittenbaum tore the head off of Andreas Gruber with a pickaxe, I, I, I think that's the last card. Like, if that's if that's something that can be kind of put to bed, everything kind of makes sense, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But you don't want to be coming to the Schlittenbauer family and saying, come here, your dad killed somebody, but he did it in a just, like it was a just thing to do, you know? Um, a lot of people are really interested in it. It's an enduring mystery. There are many more parts to it that we didn't get to talk about today that are all taken uh, in the Lark's voice. Is that the the name of the yeah. book? Lickenstimme. Lickenstimme. Die Lerche von Hinterkaifig. What was the name of the book that you have? Lerchestimme. Lerchestimme. Stimme. Stimme, yes. 
Lerkin Stimme. So we're going to do an English version of that. Maybe maybe we can, like, are you going to translate it? Are we going to get someone to translate it? I think if I would do it, uh, you heard me the last two hours, that wouldn't be a good idea. You're brilliant. I keep forgetting this is your fucking second language, or probably fourth language. Like, so good. So good. Tenth, tenth. Ten, no. you're, listening, you're listening to my stuff going, yeah, yeah, okay. What does he mean by that? Okay, that's an extra word. We don't need it. Like, <laughs> I talk so fast. And I keep forgetting that you're... you're not, you know, you're not speaking English natively. Um, and then the other evidence book then is called The Group of Us. And yes. uh, can, we ho- can we hold that up and show everybody? Of course. Please. Uh, everything available on Amazon. <laughs> so it's all out Deutsch at the moment. So if you want to get it in English, I mean, how many orders would it take to get it to to be profitable to make, turn it into English? I'm sure the whole world wants to know about this thing. We're coming up to the 100th anniversary and again, in uh, Das Neuburger Volkstheater, um, where, where about, that's in that's in Munich, is it? Whereabouts is that? It's uh, close to Ingolstadt, um, Augsburg. Okay. okay, cool. And yeah, so they're from the area, and actually, some actors from the theater their their grandparents knew them. They knew them personally. Wow. Like Gruber, so that these people are playing the story of my dad's book. Uh, it's actually a huge compliment, of course, of because course. they're kind of Imagine. standing there, standing behind behind him, and saying, "Hey, we we really want to bring this out." And yeah. well, I think it should get like more uh, acknowledgement than just being an episode of those conspiracy guys. Not that it's not a privilege to have you here, and it's going to get out to you know, uh, hundred thousand people or more. Uh, it needs a little bit more a, a juice. I see uh, guys on on YouTube. There's some channels there that have true crime things. They're getting two point six million views. Done a half an hour version of this story. Two point six million views on YouTube. Um, and there's a bunch of different like true crime ish, paranormal ish type channels that uh, have done this case uh, as one of their episodes. So you're talking about tens of millions of people know about this case. They know about this story, and I'm sure they'd love mm-hmm. to know that extra little bit to close in the gaps. Um, there's a website now as well, and it's out English uh, that was just recently translated. It's hinterkaifeck.ch. Is that right? Yeah, ch. Ch. For Switzerland. Yeah. Right. That's ch. Hinterkaifeck. H-I-N-T-E-R-K-A-I-F-E-K. And I'll put the link for that in the description of this episode below. And uh, I'm going to share it on social media as well. The hundred year anniversary of the crime itself is the 31st of March. Is there any way, any other way that people can reach out to you? Do you have social media? Uh, does your dad, uh, will he answer questions? If they want to ask you questions, you can translate them. Anybody else come up with some bullshit wanky theories like me? They're like, well, maybe it was a guy from out of town. Like, uh, can they send you any messages? Have yes, you of course. Uh, you're more than welcome to um, send us a message on hinterkaifik.ch. There is a contact form and yeah. Uh, let's see how many we will get. Maybe it's going to be hard to answer all of them. <laughs> well, I, I, in my bones, I can feel this coming out as a, a definitely as like a Netflix, a mini series, some kind of a TV show, some kind of recreation thing. Like it, it's got legs, as they say in the in the biz. Yeah, uh, it definitely has legs. And your dad's like ten years of hard work are definitely not in vain. Um, this kind of thing comes along once in a while, and um, you know, it's a case that I think will fascinate a lot of people. Even if there isn't a hundred percent guarantee of an answer, I do think uh, that hard work doesn't go unrewarded. So uh, yes. tell tell your dad thanks from me. 
And I say to you oh, from me, thanks so much. We had such good crack on the phone there last week chatting. And um, I'd like to say thanks to Alan as well for uh, hooking the two of us up. I mean, it's not so bad, right? You were a bit nervous about this show. You seemed quite yeah. comfortable doing it. Like you're going to do a lot of these interviews now, right? Maybe, who knows? I really need to learn more of these words that I need uh, talking about this. And uh, yeah, also thank you from our side. Thank you so much. Uh, oh, well, I mean, you guys, yeah. you guys did all the work. I'm just the one here with the, with the microphone. <laughs> you know? But um, look, at that's it for this episode of Those Conspiracy Guys, the interview with Nora Koppel daughter of Dolph Koppel, who uh, wrote the book Der Gruber Wars and Lekenstimme, or the Larks song uh, about the Hinterkaifeck murders. If you want to get that episode, I'll leave that in the description below as well. And uh, I just want to say thanks to Nora for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gordo. Okay, that's it. See you next time. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>